Hello and welcome to the third episode of Hops and Hans podcast. My name is Troy. I'm Katie. And we're glad to be back. You know, this time is a lot better than having going from one to two. And I think it's only been two weeks since we recorded, but we yeah. released our second episode last week. About two weeks ago. E- like from, a week I from think Monday. it's been out for over a week at least. Like a week from Monday. So anyways, we're doing a... Kind of a special one. It's different because we don't actually have the beers from the specific location. We just get the beers that we actually drink at this specific <laughs> location. So we're going to be talking about Las Vegas today. And so for myself, I am drinking uh, the Silver Bullet, a.k.a. Coors Light. <laughs> the mountains are bluish, purplish. And Caitlin, what are you drinking today? I'm drinking Dos Equis. Um, it's actually my favorite beer in general, but I tend to drink a lot of it in Vegas. So... Fitting that we picked these beers for this episode. And so uh, today we got a couple good ones for you. We're going to talk about some locations that we uh, did some research on. Uh, For me, myself, I have two hotels. One in Vegas on the Strip. It was actually from uh, one location. Then there was an incident there and it, it was end up being taken over by another place that's now standing in this spot. We'll get into that. And the other one is actually in Boulder City, uh, the Boulder Dam Hotel. It's just outside of Vegas, so I still consider it Vegas. It's right by the Hoover Dam. The first star we're going to go with is uh, MGM Grand. It's not the one that you think of today. It is actually standing where uh, Bally's is now at that same location. So in 19... 19- uh, sorry, in uh, 1980, November 21st, on the early morning of that day, around 7 a.m., there was a fire that actually broke out. It was in the, they call it the Deli. I'm not too sure if that's the actual restaurant name, but they said Delicatessen, so it's a Deli, so it's a restaurant. It was supposed to be open, like, 24 hours, but unfortunately at that time, it was, they had changed the hours for it, and therefore, it didn't have to have a sprinkler system because they would think, oh, someone's going to be there your, you know, the whole entire time that they could put out a fire if they see one. So with this fire, it was, uh, it claimed the lives of 85 people, including more than 700 people injured. It was at the time the second largest life loss fire hotel, or sorry, life loss hotel fire in U.S. history. And uh, among the 85 victims, 60 of them died from the 19th to the 24th floors, and then most of them were uh, killed by smoke inhalation, and only nine were killed by the actual flames from the fires. And that was from the November 18th, 1990 article from the LA Times by Susan Christian. So the fire had started from a wall soffit in one of the restaurants, the deli. It was uh, one of five restaurants on the casino level, the wall soffit being a portion of the ceiling that has been built lower than the area around it. And the, they said the source of ignition was an electrical ground fault. And uh, fortunately, the restaurant was not open. And it was only observed by a supervisor of a marble and tile setting crew who came to examine broken tiles. And after discovering a wall of flame from the countertop to the ceiling, he notified MGM security. The security tried to contain it, but the smoke was too dense and made this decision to leave the area. Uh, Soon after, other employees noticed the fire and were unsuccessful in extinguishing it. And then within six minutes after discovery, the casino area was involved in the fire, equating to a burn rate of 15 to 19 feet per second. And there was a call that came out to Clark County Fire Department. 
You receive the call at 7.17 and arrive approximately two minutes later. So that's a pretty good call time for them. But upon arrival, black smoke was observed at the hotel or on the casino level. And then they tried to enter the hotel. And within 40 feet, a fireball burst out of the restaurant and into the casino, forcing the, the crew out of the building. And so with a, there's a CBS article from back in 2017 by Justin Hopkins. Some of the areas were lacking with sprinklers and it resulted in the fire being spread quickly. The fire engulfed the casino within six minutes as previously, previously mentioned. And then the majority of the deaths did uh, occur due to smoke inhalation on the upper floors. It went through the system. I believe the elevator shaft was mentioned and uh, I think just the, the ventilation system. And the fire actually, you know, with it being a devastating loss of life and injuries, it did uh, enact changes to safety measures from the resorts. And now all the resorts in Vegas are some of the safest in the world. All right, and from the LA Times article by Susan Christian, less than eight months later, MGM Grand reopened. And so that would put it about, I don't know, mid, around springtime in 1981. And then... Within a couple years later, the Bally Manufacturing Corporation acquired the MGM Hotels in 86. They acquired the MGM Hotels in Vegas and in Reno, and it is now called Bally's, as we all know it today. So going into what we're here for, I found a site called Haunted Rooms America site, and I highly recommend it because it gives out details of different hotel rooms and hotels across the U.S. who have, you know, haunted rooms or, you know, reports of hauntings and rooms and they give links to uh, stay at those hotels and give details of the hotels you know like what they have like uh, gyms spas uh, so on so from this website they uh they list some things that people have reported so guests have commonly have pointed out the smell of smoke on the upper guest room floors with no one smoking in the area uh, others have reported hearing people screaming in the direction of the stairwell. And this is also a quote from the direct quote from the website. There's also a certain bank of slot machines in the casino, which is said to be haunted by an old woman. Uh, people who have seen the ghost thought that there was smoke coming from the cigarette she is holding, but upon close, closer inspection, they saw that her dress was aflame. And then once approached, um, she usually vanishes. I guess she can be seen uh, playing two slot machines at once. I guess that was at the time that's where the, the fire started on the casino level. So most of the, a couple of the deaths occurred on that level and people playing. And then on the 17th floor corridor, there are reports of a small boy who was crying out for his mother. And then people can hear the cries fading into coughing and then it ends in silence. After that, another site that I had used was Seek's Ghost Block Spot. Uh, there are reports of unexplained weeping and screaming in the hallways. Uh, more towards the upper floors, that's where the majority of the people who pass away uh, were st um, staying. And uh, a lot of people did die in their sleep because it was 7 in the morning. So, you know, if you've been to Vegas, you know, most of the time you're not up at 7 in the morning. Unless you're an older person. <laughs> <laughs> or you're still up from the night before. <laughs> or, you're still up, or you're still up from the night before. And, uh... From the same Blogspot article, there are reports of a misty, disoriented apparition. Uh, the figure is approximately the height of a tall woman that is bluish-green in color. 
I did not get a location where they have seen that apparition, so I can't tell you where they um, where to look in case you go and you're interested in looking for these ghosts. And then on the seventh floor, which is, I'm not too sure about this one because contradicting the previous incident of the 17th floor little boy, but they said the little boy was on the same level as this elderly couple, but the elderly couple can can be seen. Uh, you can see a husband protecting his wife with his arm draped around her body. They seem to fade into the walls as they reach the end of the hallway. Uh, the description, which I had read, was a little bit more graphic, so I decided to clean that up. All right, um, I'm going to cover the Zach Baggins Haunted Museum, which is a really popular tourist attraction now. I think it opened in 2015, so when he renovated the property and turned it into his museum. So just a little history on the building. It's um, an 11,000-square-foot property that was built in 1938. It was originally owned by a businessman named Cyril S. Wenger and his family. And they lived there for a while and then it turned into um, a local bar association for lawyers. Um, apparently the Wenger family is said to haunt the property. I'm not sure how they all passed, but obviously they lived in that home. So they're um, spiritually attached to it still. And then another... Um, thing that I found is that demonic rituals have been held in the basement um that was around the 1970s the home is now referred to as the mansion of nightmares obviously with all the demonic rituals that have occurred and with the hauntings from the family so of course Zach Baggins bought and renovated the property and turned it into a haunted museum and that was started in 2015 uh, the Han Museum has about 30 different rooms, and they all have different themes. So there's a doll room, a serial killer memorabilia room, which has things from, like, um, John Wayne Gacy. Uh, I think there's stuff from Ted Bundy. Um, there's a room that is dedicated to um, dead celebrities. So I believe the chair that Michael Jackson died in is in the museum as well. Um, and then there's also a clown puppet room. Um, so when you enter the museum, there's a warning sign that says this building is known to contain ghost spirits and cursed objects. By entering, you agree that management will not be liable for any actions by these unseen forces. And you also have to verbally agree that whatever happens in the museum, you're not going to sue. So, uh, Zach's collected many objects over the years and has them all located in this museum. A few of his prominent items include the dip, include the Dybbuk box and Jack Kevorkian's death van. Um, so what I'm really going to discuss is two of those objects in particular that he has in his museum. Um, and then I'm going to talk about some general personal experiences that people have had while they've visited the museum. So, um, first I'm going to talk about the Dybbuk box. Um, it's known as the world's most haunted object. It's a vintage wine cabinet that houses a demonic entity. Uh, once it arrived to the haunted museum, mysterious holes began to appear in the walls surrounding the artifact like something was trying to break out of it. Um, Zach also witnessed a black cloaked figure pass through the exhibit's closed door during a private tour and this figure has also been seen by multiple guests and staff at the museum. So a little history on the box is that it was initially kept within a family and passed through generations. Um, and when the 
owner of the box died, they held an estate sale and this guy, Kevin Manis, he attended the estate sale, saw and said that might be a good birthday present for my mom. So he ended up buying this Dybbuk box from the granddaughter because she didn't want it and she knew some bad stuff was attached to it. So um, once Kevin found out it was a family heirloom, he told her, you know, I won't buy it. And she's like, no, 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 take it. So <laughs> Kevin kept the box. He bought it in 2001 from this estate sale. And he said the box had originally belonged to a Holocaust survivor and was passed down in her family. Um, once Manus had the box in his possession, he opened it and found two pennies, a lock of blonde hair, a lock of brown black hair, a small statue with the word Shalom engraved on it, a small golden wine goblet, one dried rosebud, and a single candle holder with four octopus-shaped legs. Kevin said that once he brought the box home, he began having awful nightmares, and other people who would stay with him from time to time would also have these nightmares while in his home. Um, he ended up, you know, giving the box to his mom like he originally planned, and she had a stroke on the same day that she was in possession of the box. Best in award goes to that guy. <laughs> right? So she ended up getting that box, giving that box back to him, and it was in his home. Um, so he finally was like, you know, I don't want this anymore, and he ended up um, auctioning it off on eBay. And um, it's been passed along from many people who have continued to auction it off on eBay, and every owner of the box has said it would smell like either cat urine or jasmine flowers, so it would either be really pleasant or really unpleasant. Unless you like cat pee, you know. <laughs> I don't know anyone who likes cat pee. Um, Some weird fetishes out there. And, and apparently in the nightmares that every owner would have, an old hag would be present in it. So they believe that's what the spirit is that's attached to the box. Is it a hat? Hag. Hag. Hag, like an old lady. Oh, okay. An old lady. Obviously it went through many hands before coming into Zach's possession and it is now held in the museum. It has its own room. Um, one of the things I did read is that um, you can go on this tour, but you can always opt out of going into certain rooms. So people can choose not to go in i mean if i went into this museum i probably wouldn't go in any room so i probably wouldn't go at all but um i know yeah, don't give zach his money <laughs> it's like 44 dollars to get into <laughs> and you have to wait in line to get 44 bucks <laughs> to go and wait in line and get possessed by something <laughs> you can go to yeah. some places for free <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um so whoever was in possession of the box before Zach, he ended up having it buried in the backyard and then Zach found out who had it and bought it off him. So now the Dybbuk box is located in the museum. So um, obviously if you want to go check that out, world's most haunted object at the Haunted Museum. So the second story I have, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, it's called Demon House. I mean, there's it's like. Bunch of houses, so. It's how it's also called like the House of Two Hundred Ghosts. So it's actually located very close to us. It's in Gary, Indiana, which we've oh, driven that's through. Where Michael Jackson's from. Yeah, that's where Michael Jackson's <laughs> from, and we've driven through Gary like several times yes. to go to Chicago. Yeah, that's right outside Chicago. Um. So this house is supposedly, well, according to Zach, like the most haunted house in America. Here's the thing, though. Do they really <laughs> go count? 200 ghosts? Or they just I don't know. I think he just came ghosts. up with that on his own to make it more dramatic. He's like, he's so, 
Um, so one of the things that Zach has from this house is the staircase. And he has some of the surrounding land, like, dirt um, in one of, like, the display cases in the museum. So, um, Zach had purchased this home due to its long history of paranormal activity. And he ended up, like, filming an investigation and releasing a documentary about it. I have not watched it because I've heard from several people that after watching the documentary that they started experiencing um their own paranormal activity in their home so I don't want to like bring anything negative into the house so I'm just gonna politely decline watching that um what's this thing called it's called demon house and it's on amazon prime i believe um so if anyone's interested in watching it and potentially having paranormal activity it is on amazon prime it's called demon house it came out in 2016 i think well you gotta buy it or 2018 it's on hulu too yeah, so um, I'm going to not watch that. I watched the first Ghost Adventures, doc- Adventures documentary, and it was really good. But um, this one came out when Zach was, like, you know, in his prime <laughs> dramatic stage. So um, I'm just going to there's some it. reviews. Huh? There's some reviews of it. Yeah, like, even in the reviews, it talks about, um, like, things started happening in their home. So I'm just trying to, like, avoid that stuff. I don't have, like, sage or anything to cleanse the house. So... Um, but if you watch it, let me know. There's a warning before. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There's a warning before you even watch it. So if there's some sort of warning or disclaimer, I'm out. (laughs) Which is why I'm not attending this meeting either. Jesus, crazy. Mm. So that's my story. The, um, Ammon's Haunting? Is that... No, sorry, the review from this person who watched oh, the Oh, doc- she's crazy. The review is crazy. Got she it, ended up watching the movie till it ended around 2.50 a.m. And she had to wake up at 5 a.m. to go to work. What the hell? <laughs> she said they played worship music in the bedroom and prayed again before going to bed. Yeah, no, I'm not watching that. They said they prayed before the movie. <laughs> oh, like, well, they started the movie at 1 a.m. So that's pretty crazy. Oh, my alone. gosh. Um, so, um... I can give, like, a little background on the house, um, well, the hauntings itself. Um, I don't know why it's haunted. It just is. So, <laughs> it just is. <laughs> so, Zach ended up buying this home, obviously, and he ended up demolishing it in 2016 because it was so haunted, and, um, he brought, he kept the staircase from the home because, obviously, um, anything from the home is going to have some sort of attachment to it regardless of what it is so he took this staircase and he took some of the land and has that displayed in the museum and apparently the construction workers who had installed the staircase ended up walking off the job and refused to come back because some crazy stuff was going on while they were installing it um so just a little background on the house so demon house is also known as the ammon's haunting case LaToya Ammons, her mother Rosa Campbell, and LaToya's three children lived in the home from 2011 to 2012. And within days of them moving in, black flies would continuously swarm their back porch and the family would hear footsteps in the basement and doors would creak. LaToya said she would also witness a shadowy shadowy figure of a man pacing in the living room and found boot prints (laughs) on their floors. Rosa, her mother, said she was choked once by an unseen figure. The children have also claimed that they've been thrown across the room, levitated above their beds, and one of them was possessed by a spirit. And that child, um, his eyes rolled to the back of his head. And while growling, he said, it's time to die and I will kill you. 
<laughs> so it got pretty serious. Um, the Ammons family finally reached out to a priest who performed an exorcism. And um, after the priest interviewed the family, he said that they were being tormented by demons and ended up having to do three exorcisms on the home. Um, two of the exorcisms were performed in English. One was in Latin. And one of them was actually performed on Latoya Ammons, who was the mother of the three kids. Um, after that, activity seemed to have subsided once it was done, but the family ended up moving from the house in 2012. So I think regardless of activity being softened or not, they still don't want to stay there. They didn't, they didn't feel safe. So Zach ended up buying the home for $35,000. <laughs> he performed an investigation in it, like I said, and he filmed a documentary and then demolished it in January 2016. So those are like... Obviously, there's a lot of objects in there, but those are the two that really caught my attention that I wanted to talk about because I've listened to these two stories on other podcasts and I thought they were really interesting. So, um, obviously, there's way more stuff in the museum, some stuff I don't want to talk about because just talking about it, like, stirs up energy. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so there's a couple things in particular that if you're interested in, um, there's the Bella Lugosi mirror. There is the Jack Kevorkian death van, which, do you know the story of the Jack Kevorkian? It doesn't raise the bell. So, um, Jack Kevorkian, he ended up doing, um, shoot, what's it called? Um, is there a cult involved? No, 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 it's not a cult. It's, um, he had a van and he would basically term- terminate or- ill people who wanted to go out oh, on like their own terms. Oh, death or something like that, right? Yeah, I think, yeah, he, so he ended up, oh, assisted suicide. So, um, I don't know if that's, like, the appropriate PC term, but, um... Yeah, it's the PC term. Assisted suicide. Is it? Okay. He's so, like doctor um, assisted suicide. Doctor assisted suicide. So, he had this van, and terminal patients would come to him to, um, end the life, end their life on their own terms. So, his van, where all these people have passed away, is located in the museum as well. There's a number of dolls, um in the museum and Kitty's favorite <laughs> I absolutely hate dolls um so I will probably never talk about a doll <laughs> on this show because I cannot even like listening to other podcasts and if they even mention a doll I have to turn it off I can't deal with dolls so f- for whatever fans <laughs> we have out there if you want to send fan mail of dolls with the eyes moving please send to Kitty's house <laughs> so I have a very it's probably not irrational, but I have always hated dolls, especially ones that like. It's pretty common. It's not irrational. But is it irrational to be afraid of dolls? I mean, like, I yeah, mean, it's common, but. I I guess a little bit, but at the same time, I don't know. it could still be rational. And I mean, considering yeah. that there's tons of haunted dolls, maybe it is rational yeah. to be afraid of them. But like, I was in fourth grade, and I was in fourth grade, and um. One of my friends, well, quote unquote friend, she wasn't very nice. Oh, she like remember you remember that? Yeah. yeah. So I used to have a collection of Barbie dolls, and like those were like innocent enough, and they were kept in my closet in like a bin and stuff. But like in fifth grade or fourth grade, whatever it was, one of my quote unquote friends was like, "Oh, did you know Barbie dolls walked at night?" And I was like, "What the hell?" And I never played with my Barbie dolls again after that. I think we ended up giving them away. <laughs> so. Obviously, I don't do well with dolls, and... I think clowns, too. I think you're... I hate clowns. I hate dolls. I hate a lot of things. A I... lot of things scare me. I'm just a scaredy cat, so... I hate hangovers. 
the they'll most scare, they'll scare me. I, yeah, I guess they could haunt you, but um. <laughs> they do haunt me. <laughs> but um, yeah, I have a lot of irrational fears. Like I am still kind of afraid of the dark. I'm afraid of basements. I'm afraid of being home alone. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> this is why you need a pet. Yeah, this is why I need a pet. So um, don't get like a bird though, when it can talk back to you. Like it'll say no, something creepy. Want that. Like, no, I would want a dog. But the thing is about dogs is that they'll send something if it's there. That's true. But you also I'd rather just, like... But you can also downplay a dog sending something to you. I it's guess. Like, yeah, but I would trust my dog, it. though. See, not having a dog, like, if something happens, I just don't notice it. And, but if a dog is with me and he, like, perks up and looks at nothing, that's going to freak me out, too. So, um, I think I like the not knowing. <laughs> I'm going to have to sage the entire house still. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, so those are like two of the prominent things that I wanted to talk about. Um, there's a lot more I could get into, but, um, if you guys visit it, send me your stories. If you have visited and you've had experiences, send it to our email address. So, um, I can read those. And so I found a couple personal experiences from people who've, um, attended the museum and um there was one in particular that was like kind of traumatizing to read so I'm not going to talk about that (laughs) but if you go into like Yelp, TripAdvisor and all that they're all there so um a couple of minor incidents that have happened is um people in general when they go into the museum they experience a really heavy feeling in their chest and on their necks and shoulders um Obviously, there's a lot of energy in the museum, so people are heavily affected by that. Um, They also experience feeling dizzy, off balance, and have a constant feeling of wanting to throw up. And a lot of people said it usually happens like when they go into different rooms, and then as soon as they leave the room, it's gone. So um, another person said that they were, you know, wearing like full sweatshirt and all that, and they ended up getting scratched on their backs so um they felt like someone pushed them in one of the rooms i don't know which room it was but um they ended up having scratches on their back did they push back no they're probably freaked out (laughs) like i would (laughs) have um and then of course a lot of the normal occurrences like doors opening by themselves footsteps so um that is a really quick story of two stories from the zach baggins haunted museum which i will never personally go to I'm iffy about it. Would you? I'm kind of interested, but I also don't want to give them money either. Yeah, like, it sounds super cool and super interesting and, like, kind of up my alley, I guess, but, like, at the same time, I don't want to go in and I don't want to bring anything home. Yeah. So. I guess that's the thing. You don't, like, I kind of have that idea that you could bring something with you to wherever you go. Yeah. But also, like, it really depends how vulnerable you are at that mm-hmm. point in time. Like, that's other thing. Yeah, that's a problem. It, it latches onto you like whatever is weak. Yeah, then like I'm freaking weak, so something will come home with yeah, me. Yes, she is. <laughs> if you're like tough, if you go in, you're like. Well, I don't even think no, because you can act tough, but it doesn't mean you're actually tough. It'll it's just, still like it's like a kind of like a mental health thing, you know. You mm-hmm. can say you're fine, but are you actually fine? No, you're not. Mm-hmm. But so, it can still latch onto you. It's I don't know. It's kind of a weird thing and. It'd probably be interesting to study like the whole psychology of spirits latching on to hmm, maybe people. we can do an episode on that. Yeah, we can yeah, if we can find research on that, that'd be pretty cool to share. Yeah. So 
I'm just, yeah, I'm very weak. So I, and my, with my luck, I would bring something terrible <laughs> home. So, <laughs> right. And I don't want to subject anyone close to me. Um, so I will read about these things, but I You would go not... in there with shoes and then you'll just burn the shoes. <laughs> the <laughs> I don't even know them. what I would do. I would bring like holy water with me or something. Just doubt yourself before you enter. <laughs> I'm a rosary. Yeah, no, that's not it. So, um, anyways, yeah. So that's my story for today. Um. Um, also I wanted to give some credit to where I got my information. So, um, general haunted museum information came from the Zach Baggins haunted museum website. Um, I also took a lot from Wikipedia. So thank you for the contributors to that. And then, um, oh, the personal stories I took was from a thread on Reddit. So if you just search personal experiences at Zach Baggins, that should pop up. So, um, thank you to all those people who helped. <laughs> <laughs> didn't know that they were actually helping, but they, but they did. Help me tell my story. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, next we're going to talk about this place in Vegas called the Boulder Dam Hotel. So, the Boulder Dam Hotel, it is basically back when the Hoover Dam was being built, it was going to be called the Boulder Dam. And change the Hoover Dam. Uh, I could totally get into the whole history of Hoover Dam, but I didn't research it, so I don't want to. So uh, <laughs> the Boulder Dam uh, Hotel was built while the Hoover Dam was being built. So during the same construction, it was built in 1933. Uh, it was originally built to accommodate official visitors, dignitaries, and guests for the dam itself. And it was built for W.F. Gray, he wanted that because he saw the potential for that site. Not too sure what was there before, but um, then it was it was built by the architect P.S. Webb and purchased, and he purchased the, the hotel himself in 1935 from Gray. And this is coming from uh, onlyinyourstate.com. It's the Nevada section. And it's, it's the title of the article is Ridiculously Haunted Nevada Hotel Not for Faint of Heart. <laughs> so anyway, so the hotel itself was listed in National Register of Historic Places on July 13th, 1982. And included in the actual hotel, I guess, I don't know if it's like adjacent to it or like actual inside the hotel, but it's the Boulder City slash Hoover Dam Museum. And it's got like all the tidbits about the, the project itself and whatever else history of the city it's like a little town that was uh, boulder city the town that was built for the hoover dam for all the construction workers kind of like the whole king's mills thing for the oh, workers yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the same exact thing there mm-hmm. so uh it was a destination resort that uh ps web uh, you know as he built it it was a destination resort for people to come up until world war ii when he decided to sell it because tourism had declined following world war ii and uh there's some been some celebrity sightings there, you know, from the past. Not, I don't know about the future. Like the cur- celebrity ghosts, or oh no, this is just people who have gone to the oh, hotel okay. to stay there. Okay. Damn. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> nothing confirmed or anything like that. But these are all people from the past. Uh, I haven't heard of any people currently that have gone there to stay. I'm not sure there'll be anybody. If you could go to Vegas and go to the Strip, they would go there. So. Uh, such as the biggest one was Howard Hughes. He resided at the hotel while he recuperated from his Lake Mead plane crash in 1943. I don't have too much information besides that. 
So other famous guests were Shirley Temple, Crown, then Crown Prince Olaf and Princess Martha of Norway. And then uh, this one was the most interesting to me was none other than Hollywood horror actor Boris Karloff. Oh. So, you know, if you think about hauntings and ghosts and Halloween a lot, you know, Boris Karloff is definitely a name that mm-hmm. rings to mind, you know, Frankenstein. And, you know, he was also the voice of the Grinch. And the was country. he Dracula too? Uh, I think that was the ghost he actually... Oh, was it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, snap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, those are the guys who are all the, you know, the same crowd as far as the old universal horror films and all that. So the hotel itself right now is uh, got restored, I believe, in around the year 2000. And uh, it cost a couple million dollars. I think it's like $2 million to... Let me just find that real quick. I'm not sure if that's right. So uh, it got renovated from in 2000 at a cost of over $2 million. And it reduced the number of guest rooms to increase the amount of common area for guests to enjoy. And uh, it was originally at around, I believe, 85 guest rooms. Now it's down to 22. So it's a pretty, you know, quaint type of place. So it's, it's really pretty small. Yeah, it's a pretty small place. So I don't know what the, the rates are or, you know, how how popular it is among guests but i know according to some stories that it's a pretty small town so no one really goes there to you know visit or what's uh, the official name of it boulder dam hotel boulder dam motel that's in boulder city so uh going to with the actual actual hotel there's been reports from the same website it says um uh, this is former employee. Uh, he's been he was mentioned a couple times in this site, so take it for what you will. He uh, reported to have heard the sound of laughing, talking, and music coming from the ballroom and restaurant when they were both closed. He also uh, a couple of times on different occasions he uh, got a strong scent of cigar smoke, and then uh, this was. Um, Another instance where he was walking past the bathroom and heard the sound of running water and then went to investigate it, you know, to make sure everything was okay. As he left, the door slammed shut behind him. Mm. And then he also had, uh, I'm not too sure what this employee did on the, the property, but at some point he was working in the basement and then the elevator doors would just suddenly open up and there was no one there and just... There was no reason for it to open up. And there was a, a guest. So moving on from the employee, there was a guest who had felt a heavy feeling as she explored the lobby. And that made her, it made her sense that she wasn't welcome on the premises. So I, I know what the heavy feeling is. It's like weighing down on your chest and you just kind of got that sense like, like eerie. I shouldn't be here or yeah. it's kind of something's going to happen. Yeah. Like the hair stands on the back of your neck. Yeah. And the two rooms that did come up that have the most reports of having the most activity were rooms 209 and 219. And going from there, there's a, a blog that I found really interesting from this uh, man named David, David Weatherly. I don't know his background. I just saw that he has a lot of um, stories on his blog and I'm not too sure what his background is, but he uh, the blog is eerielights.com. So... He actually went to go stay there at one point. Uh, Let me try and take a look and see if I have a date for that. 
David Weatherly, he stayed there recently in 2019. Uh, doesn't give a date, but he published the article on July 10th. So I'd say maybe early July, maybe late June. Uh, so he was he, uh, he checked in late. Uh, he had a night clerk that checked him in. And he came, you know, to check out the hotel itself and to check out the hauntings, supposedly, allegedly, pardon me, at the hotel. And the hotel itself, you know, wants to downplay any instance of uh, haunting talk or any <laughs> ghost stories. So the night clerk said uh, that there was a psychic that visited in, 1980, in the 1980s, and the basis of all the tales of hauntings came from that person or from that that, um, that incident, I guess, incident or that visit, I should say, from the psychic. And uh, the clerk didn't didn't say that there was any hauntings, but also didn't, um, he didn't mention anything about if he heard anything, but he did give the title of a book to David that he should check out that's in the, the gift shop. It's called Midnight on Arizona Street, The Secret Life of the Boulder Dam Hotel. He told him to go check out the book. It's by Dennis McBride, by the way. And to go ask for it at the gift shop, because I guess it was for sale in the there so when uh david went to go check out the book from the gift shop he uh was met with a smile from the i guess the employee at the gift shop and then once he mentioned the name her smile went from a smile to a stern look so i not too sure what that was about i guess maybe she doesn't believe in ghosts or she's tired of talking with people about ghosts or about the alleged hauntings of the whole entire hotel. So uh, I did some research on the book itself. So it was published in 1993. And uh, I was, you know, kind of interested. Like, I wonder what this book's about. Because it uh, contains the history of the hotel as well as a chapter of the building's hauntings. And I guess that plays into why the gift shop employee was not too happy about David coming in to talk to her about the book. And so I looked for the copies, and uh, they're going for about $70 on Amazon, <laughs> so uh, I might not be purchasing the book anytime soon unless I can find a cheaper version. So that's on the book, and so the just based off that, the, he was not, he did not receive a warm welcome from her, and as soon as he left, he turned, he said, not two steps out of the store, he heard the the employee on the phone with the hotel manager about telling the night clerk to tell him to stop giving out the or saying that the book was on sale at the gift shop <laughs> and to stop talking about the or the alleged hauntings that you know that are not there. And so he had he did his own research, uh, David. He had, he did encounter one other guest while he was roaming the, the hotel late at night. It was someone that had frequently visited the, the hotel itself multiple times because he had business that took him through Nevada. And he liked going there instead of going to the Strip and all the hustle and bustle and whatever you like to call it. So he said he only slept a couple hours at a time per night. So he said he hasn't felt anything so he he quote unquote said no and you think if they were here referring to the ghost that I would have seen them since I'm up so late at least it would keep things interesting and the gentleman that David was talking to was name was Dan 
And uh, he talked, he gave him some information about Boulder City. He said it was a quiet town. There wasn't too much going on. And so David himself ventured out. He walked around downtown. And aside from an occasional car passing by, there were no other signs of activity or anybody on the street. And so he, uh, so that next day he did go to the gift shop. And that's when the whole incident or encounter he had with the, the, gift shop employee so he did some more digging because you know with the night clerk saying oh there's no hauntings oh it was just from a sidekick and then the hotel the gift shop employee not being too happy about him asking about the book so definitely something eerie was going on so he uh went to go find out some information from some employees without bringing the the spirits being the main focus of the conversation so he said, while most of the employees struck to the party line and gave me almost verbatim the same response regarding hauntings, I did find other opinions. One employee informed me that there were, on occasion, strange incidents in the hotel that could not be explained by logical means. Items moved on their own, and there were quote-unquote cold spots that didn't make sense. Some reports indicated that whispered voices were heard at times when no one else was present. In a nearby restaurant, I ran into a former employee of the hotel who was more open with her opinions on the location's ghostly activity. Uh, this is her quote. Rooms 209 and 219 also always give me the creeps. I always felt like something, someone else was in the room with me or that I was being watched. As you remember, 209 and 219 were the two rooms from the previous article that said those were the most reported hauntings or paranormal activity, uh, activities going on there so um no one knows for sure that the place is haunted there's some you know whispers and rumors uh david himself did not find anything going on but he did you know find the odd encounters that he had with employees you know it could be just the hotel just trying to cover up and downplay anything going on there that's spiritual or not of this world so who knows you know you know if you're interested might as well check it out maybe ask for 209 or 219 or maybe you don't they might not you know be able to <laughs> abide by that so who knows what what happened there so that goes through the boulder dam hotel um, all right and uh to close it up on this episode we you know we did i don't know you said it was about 2010 we went on a yeah, coaster eh, something like that I uh, went to Vegas, and of course we were still underage, so we couldn't really do anything besides that. Boring. <laughs> Anyways, there were some places that we had visited on a ghost tour. Uh, some interesting spots. Uh, one of which included the place where Tupac was shot. is on the, I think it was close to the corner of Flamingo and Koval. Uh, is it not? Sorry. Um, isn't it right by Tuscany? Yeah, I think it's right down the street from Tuscany. Right yeah. It's on the way to Tuscany. It's between the Tuscany, Chevron, right? Tuscany and Valleys, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so we walk by it like every yeah. single time we see it at Tuscany. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think there's a sign. I think you can actually see, there's like a light pole. I'm pretty sure there's like like graffiti or like art or something like that. People put like, you know, art piece. for Tupac. Yeah, for Tupac. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's that. And then uh, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to remember where we actually started out. I think we went to the Flamingo first. We started at the Flamingo, So yeah. we started at the Flamingo, and there's a church in the, I guess it's like a little courtyard, kind of about the, 
I'm not sure. How the, I don't remember how the flamingo set up, but at the flamingo. At the flamingo. Yeah, I'm like, trying to remember that part. It was like the hotel, and then right behind it is like the church. Like but where any, people get like the married. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. But anyways, uh, that's where. So the flamingo started from Bugsy Siegel, a uh, former you know famous mobster from back in the day. I don't know what years that was, but 1930s. And 1930s, maybe 1920s. I don't remember what exactly here, but. Let's look. So anyways, uh, he's the rumored ghost to be haunting that church, from what I remember. 1906 to 1947 is when Bugsy Siegel was alive. Yeah, so uh, that's the spirit. From what I can remember, that's the one spirit I remember them talking about. There could be more. I'm not too sure. I don't know if the flamingo had a f- might have had a fire too, but I don't know. Oh, he opened the flamingo hotel. Yeah, I know that. yeah he opened it. But, uh, so from there, I'm trying to remember where we went next, but there was a couple of spots that I remember that we went to. We went to a house that, uh, former comedic actor Red Fox used to live, I believe, up until his passing. And I don't not don't remember the exact location of it, but, uh, I remember we just stopped in front. We, there was someone that was occupying the house at that point, and they're still occupying. It's like a, a realtor or maybe a realtor's office now. But we, we just stopped in front of the house, and they said people are known to just stop in front of the house, and you can see, like, the curtains move, and I think Ooh. you can see him peeking out. But I, I believe I read that he said he would, as when he was, I don't know, I don't know how he passed away, but I heard that he said he would haunt the house <laughs> <laughs> after he passed away. At least you know ahead of time. <laughs> so, he passed away in 1991. Let's see. I had a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, he he said he would uh, he would haunt the house following his death, and he uh, as far as I know he still haunts the place. And then after that, I believe we went to uh, where Liberace get a. It's a restaurant now, isn't it? Well, it's just closed up now. Oh, is it? Yeah. It's, is that it like, like pandemic a, clothes or like No, it was closed in 2010. <laughs> it's like oh, right after no. we saw it. <laughs> so uh, it's a, it was a museum. I think it was also a restaurant too. But I guess it had known and been, uh, have haunted the place itself. Liberace being uh, a former entertainer and penis. I didn't know he was American. I thought he was like European. French. <laughs> European. <laughs> Liberace sounds very French. So I mean, weird. look at his name. It's like Vlad. Vladizo. Vladizio Liberace? Oh, I just saw it. Where did it go? Vladizio Valentino Liberace. That's mm. uh, interesting. That's but anyways, um, so that was the next place that we went to. And then after that, we went to... Uh, I, think that, I think that's when we went to the park. Yeah, then we went to Fox Ridge Park. I think that's in Henderson. And... They had us do a cool experiment. I don't know if we got pictures from that. I think we got we pictures. We did. We did. Mom somewhere. would have them somewhere. Um, we talked about on the first episode where we used the dowsing rods. Where I'm not too sure the significance. So Go ahead. you use the dowsing rods as a form of communication with spirits. So um, there are two metal rods you hold in either hand. They're like L-shaped. 
and they either move away or move close together and if they move close together it means you're communicating with the spirit so the spirit uses the dowsing rods to communicate with you so if you just ask basic questions like yes or no um so we ended up using those dowsing rods when we were in the park yeah and the park park being up fox ridge park it's uh, i think i saw many things on it people going to investigate uh People asking, is Fox Ridge Park haunted? And allegedly, it's a little boy who sadly passed away by running in front of a car and getting hit by a car. Uh, I'm not too sure about it. I tried looking up any details of that incident, but I wasn't able to find anything. So I'm just going from what I saw. And uh, I think that was the end of the tour. They took us back to where we were. Yeah, it was a where, very... Where did, it, where did we go for that? We had to go to like some theater. At some, one of the hotels. That was at the Flamingo, I believe it started at, no? Was that the Flamingo? Yeah, I think it was at Flamingo we started at. Um, no, because I feel like it was an older hotel. It was like, not like one of the um, big strip ones. It was something... Oh gosh, I can't remember. I just remember it was the, an older I one. I just remember the, the guy was dressed as one of those old funeral drive or uh, uh, hearse drivers that had like a... Bucket hat. Yeah, he was very... A bucket hat. It was like... Into his job. Yeah, very uh, old school dress. I don't know, even how... Kind of a Victorian type of dress, but he had like a bucket hat. Like, he, like he was working at the Haunted Mansion. As yeah, well. exactly, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. He was like working at the Haunted Mansion. So, yep. Yeah. But it, was a, it was a good tour. It was interesting. And especially with the Tupac thing, because every time I go to Vegas and I stay at Tuscany Suites, I always walk past it and I always just, you know, look at it. It's kind of, you know, just a... It's an interesting part of history. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and just, I mean, that's the only thing, you know, as far as yeah. I can remember, because every time I'm in Vegas, I usually don't remember stuff, because, you know, <laughs> things happen. That was the time when we could actually come home from Vegas and remember what we did exactly. So, um, yeah. it was super interesting. If that tour is still going around, we recommend it. We actually recommend any ghost tour. We did the one in San Diego as well, and yeah, I think we, we talked about in the first episode, and um, that used to be our family... Um, activity when we were on vacation, we yeah. do ghost tours. Especially when we were younger. Yeah, yeah. But once we hit our, you know, drinking age in Vegas, we just drink <laughs> and gamble <laughs> and go to clubs and stuff. So um, it was definitely really cool. Um, we experienced a lot of that kind of stuff when we were younger. So um, yeah, so I think that's a good yeah. wrap on Vegas. I think. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's all we had. Now, there's so much to the haunted history of Vegas. There's so many things that we wanted to share with you, but there uh, might be a Vegas part too because yeah, we gotta go in like mobsters and stuff too. Yeah, I we think. honestly could go even further than, than this, but uh, just to what your appetite. I think that was a, a good rundown of what we uh, found mm-hmm. and to what we were able to share. Yep. So uh, thanks for tuning in to episode three. Uh, we look forward uh, to sharing going to episode four. We're not too sure where we're gonna go next. Uh, if you, you can have, email do you have an us. Idea? <laughs> yeah, no one's going to email us, Katie. <laughs> we do have an email, though, if you <laughs> have a do, personal story. Do, uh, yeah, make sure to follow us on all social media, well, almost all, uh, fa- not Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Hops and Haunts Podcast. Uh-huh. And then our uh, uh, email is hopsandhauntspodcast at gmail.com. So feel free to shoot us anything you like to see or hear or any short stories you have yourself. Um we can keep you anonymous if you like to keep anonymous. So thanks for tuning in and uh, happy hauntings. Bye, everyone. <laughs>